0: Let's get it going on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of the fan-sided podcasting network at arrowheadattic.com. I'm Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, And I'm joined, as always, by Sterling Holmes of ESPN Kansas City and 810 Sports. You can find him on Twitter at KC. Sterling, How are you holding up in quarantine?
1: I'm doing all right, you know, I'm I'm doing fine. I got the first little buds of tomatoes starting to grow on my garden. I've been drinking a lot of bush light, actually I have a truly, you can hear that right here, crack just cracked open, so all things considered, going pretty well. How about yourself?
0: Oh, it's pretty good. It's, it's a lot better now that basketball's on the horizon, so taking over Locked on Thunder at the perfect time here as basketball's starting back up next month, and then they'll start games in July. So sports are on the way back, though. That's a good sign.
1: Very good sign.
0: And the, the NCAA is allowing athletes to go on campus in June, up to the conferences, then to the schools. But around June 1st, some schools can open back up their athletic department, which is big news for me, uh, keeping my job. If, if we have athletics, I get to keep my job, so that's always good. Uh, but I've just been hanging out, waiting waiting for sports to return. No offense to the NASCAR fans and the, and the newly found KBO fans, but it's just not my speed. Have you been watching any of the uh, Last Dance that just ended? Did you watch any of that?
1: So I'm about six episodes in. My roommate and myself were watching it, kind of about two at a time. You know, we, we couldn't do it live because we want to watch more than one at a time. So about six episodes in so far. I mean, it, it's pretty interesting. I think it's pretty cool. You know, you get us the inside look of Jordan. I think it's very interesting how they had this whole nineteen, you know, ninety eight film crew following them. I think that's very I guess good good foresight to actually get that done. But I think we may come out later on and find other organizations that have done this. Wonder if the Lakers ever did something like this. Uh, I've heard rumors of maybe the New York Yankees doing something like this. So it'll be interesting to see how this actually plays out going forward if other teams kind of followed this camera crew method.
0: You know, it's interesting that the NBA actually did release that the Lakers did that for Kobe's final season. So there's a ton of footage from that final season of Kobe Bryant that the NBA has under vault that they can you know start putting together a documentary about him if they so choose do you uh, want but, me
1: to cry do you do you want me to cry <laughs> come on now
0: have you have you gotten to I'm trying to think because I, I don't remember the the episodes have you where where was your last placement I don't want to spoil anything
1: oh man um to be honest, we, we watched the the Rodman one, which the the Vegas trip is just outstanding. What a what a badass. Just saying, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to be gone for five days and just just rage. Good for Dennis Rodman. Uh, I forget the, the, the one I was on. I watched the one where they uh, were playing the Knicks in the playoffs.
0: Okay. Have you, I can't remember, have you seen Kobe Bryant yet in this one? I mean, you know he's in there.
1: I, I only saw the one at the All-Star game. He was in it for, for a very brief moment.
0: Yeah, that that was cool accent. That was like one of the coolest parts to me was just as a rookie that they were already talking about. You know, that Laker kid over there, you know, all he does is shoot. He's not going to do that to me in this All-Star game. I'm going to get out of the way so I can get dunked on. It was pretty <laughs> cool, like, seeing that that's how they were talking about him, uh, you know, back then whenever he was a rookie.
1: That's like McCole Hartman when he was a rookie. You know, players, like, they're talking about how he's going to beat them deep average what was it 20.8 yards a catch it's the same yeah. thing getting burnt by a rookie
0: have you seen the reports today though that ESPN is going to do a nine-part series on Tom Brady in in 2021
1: I'm out I'm out I mean
0: how, how I, is this a decision that they're making
1: I mean I get it Tom Brady I I'll stand by it right now, is the greatest quarterback of all time. I, I don't want to say most talented. Cause you could probably make the case for Dan Marino. Obviously, I think Mahomes will uh, eventually surpass that. But, you know, Tom Brady does have the six rings. He has the legacy. He has, you know, this, this, and this. Does anyone really think the Bucks are going to be that good? I mean, for, for, for them to do a long series on this, the Bucks would have to go, what, at least 12-4, and 13-3 to make it seem like he, he's on top? I don't see that happening. I don't think Tom Brady is that interesting to begin with. I think he's fine. I just don't see how people outside of Boston fans, or I guess the newly found Tom Brady Tampa Bay fans, or Tampa Bay fans, find this interesting.
0: Be careful on the Tampa Bay thing. We might get sued like Dan Patrick did. <laughs> uh,
1: but Sorry, TM. <laughs> TM for Tom Brady. Uh,
0: but... I just don't understand this decision because I think ESPN saw the reaction to the Michael Jordan documentary, but there were so many other factors. First of all, Michael Jordan doesn't talk publicly. We, we don't, This was the first time we got access to Michael Jordan. Second of all, this is 20 years ago. So a ton of people now have grown up watching basketball that have heard how good Michael Jordan was, have heard about that era, but haven't really experienced it the way you get to experience it. In that documentary, no one has forgotten Tom Brady. No one has forgotten the prime of Tom Brady that's going to sit down and watch a documentary. And he's not interesting. That's the most important part of all this. He's not interesting, as we've seen by his failed reality TV show. The only noteworthy thing of that show was him kissing his kids. He's not an interesting guy. I mean,
1: I'll say this they're both kind of dicks. Let's be real here. They're both kind of dicks. I don't know if I can say that on this podcast. I know I'm not on radio, so I feel slightly better about saying it. But Jordan, he cares about gambling. He kind of comes off saying, I'll win at all costs. Tom Brady, I think, has a similar mindset in a way. But Jordan takes it to the next level. We've seen Tom Brady yell at teammates. We've seen Tom Brady, you know, get thoroughly upset. But I just don't see a huge comparison there. I don't think Tom Brady is going to dive in and open up the way Jordan has in this documentary.
0: Absolutely not. And that's going to be the most frustrating part is because again, the people that are going to be watching this, remember the entire ins and outs of Tom Brady. He's still playing today. He's just now out of his prime and he's not an interesting guy. Like, I, I just don't understand the decision-making here because there's also not going to be a global pandemic that shuts down sports. We're already going to have sports return. So even if we're not back to normal in 2021, we'll still have something else to watch by then where we're not just craving any sort of substance, which did help the, the Jordan documentary become this phenomenon that, that includes like 50 million post-game shows for a documentary. I, I mean, that, do you... that does not happen if this is released during the finals, like it was planned to be released, but if, That's not going to happen for Tom Brady.
1: If it's a Sunday, you know, when The Last Dance was on, are you going to watch that? Are you going to watch a NBA game or a, you know, say it's football season. you Are going to watch a football game, a a, a live basketball game, a live Royals game? I'm watching baseball. I'm going to watch something live before I watch The Last Dance. Even now, I'm watching it recorded. I wasn't going down to my basement saying, I can't wait for The Last Dance on Sunday. No one's going to be doing this when life returns to normal and this Tom Brady documentary is, is, is on. It's just not going to happen.
0: And he won't captivate you the way that that all those stories did. Because again, there it's been twenty years. There's plenty of people, me myself included. I've heard all the stories, but I never got to see it the way that it's being shown to you in this documentary. I've gotten to see everything with Tom Brady, and I don't trust that he will open up about Deflate Gate and what went into Jimmy Garoppolo. And everything, Spygate, everything that's happened to their organization, I don't, I don't trust that he'll actually go through all of that honestly and openly. And neither did Michael Jordan. But you still got more access with Michael Jordan, than I think, that you're going to get from Tom Brady. This feels rushed. This feels like something that ESPN is trying to capitalize on, and they think that the new wave of documentaries is going to be these long-form documentaries. They only work with, with. Guys like MJ, who you can't find out a ton about from their own voice. You can find a ton about them from books and other movies, but not from themselves. You can find anything you want to about about Tom Brady, and he does plenty of interviews regularly, Tom Brady does. So I don't see how this is going to be anything of note. And to be fair, this is not like a Homer thing. I don't think a documentary 20 years down the line from now will be interesting about if, he's, if, if if they're going to do it while he's still playing. I mean, Mahomes is not an interesting guy either. He's, he's a fun guy. We love Mahomes. He's not that interesting. I mean, he's, he's what you're supposed to be as a quarterback. He's He talks proper uh, in the sense of he doesn't say anything negative. He doesn't say anything to get backlash. He's just a quarterback. So is Russell Wilson. None of these guys are that interesting, the you same want, way that that Bulls team was.
1: You want controversial guys. You want Sebastian Janikowski. You want maybe Tyron Matthew or Frank Clark, guys that have, you know, almost larger-than-life personalities. Uh, Something like that, I think, could be interesting. Maybe Tyron Matthew or Frank Clark. Again, it wouldn't be to, to, to this extent. But you could see a, a fun little doc coming out of the uh, – the Frank Clark and the, the post-game uh, pressers and, you know, him after the Super Bowl. I think that would be pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, a single a documentary about last season, you know, 10 years from now, that'd be awesome. But a documentary only about Tom Brady would not be interesting at all. It, it's not going to be interesting at all because yeah. they're not branding this the same way that they did with Jordan. Yeah, we all knew that that Jordan was the attraction, but it was also about the entire six, you know, the six championships, the, the last dance, the final season. If this was about all about Deflategate plus Tom Brady, or all about you know the the perfect season that wasn't plus Tom Brady, then it gets a little bit more interesting for me. Than if you're just going to center the entire thing about how great Tom Brady is, as if anyone who's watching it doesn't remember Tom Brady, and he's not the best quarterback of all time. He's the most accomplished quarterback of all time, and that's also a big difference between Tom between Brady and Jordan.
1: Very good point.
0: And you can say Jordan's number two. Tom Brady's not number two. He's the most accomplished quarterback. He's not even one of the most talented quarterbacks. He's a smart quarterback, accomplished quarterback. I would put a ton of guys ahead of him. Uh, You know, not 20 or 30, but, you know, you go down the list and you can quickly rattle rattle off some names like Marino, Mahomes, Manning. I would put a lot of guys over him before you get to Tom Brady. He just happens to have the accomplishments. But getting into uh, NFL news, the NFL had... An interesting week. And since our last podcast, they threw out this idea that they would consider offering draft compensation, which we later found out was a bump in the third round to teams who would hire general managers or coaches of color. When I heard this, I thought it was a joke. I mean, I thought it was like an onion piece. What did you think when you first heard this report?
1: It's condescending, it's inappropriate. it's it, it honestly just, just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not well thought out and it, it, you know if they were just going through every possible scenario and somehow this one leaked, I, I guess I kind of get it if you're literally going through every single scenario, it's just not well thought out. I, I, I honestly think it's very very condescending. Something does need to change the fact that Eric Biem is not a head coach truly doesn't make a lot of sense to me you know may- maybe there are some other factors that come into play but yeah when this first came out and I heard this again I thought it was a complete joke and I'm glad that it seemed like literally everyone agreed that this was not the way to go
0: it shouldn't take draft compensation for you to hire Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy is it going to be a better coach than Joe Judge? A better coach than whatever clown the Browns hired? A better coach than, I would say, probably anyone that was hired this offseason. Way better than McCarthy. Who knows what happened with, with Ron Rivera? But for my money, I'd rather take the gamble on, on Bieniemy, considering disagree. all that he's done in Kansas City. I'll disagree
1: but, with, with, with Rivera and with Mike McCarthy. Uh, the only thing with uh, Mike McCarthy is he already has a Super Bowl. I understand that hire. Ron Rivera, I still think, is an outstanding head coach. Maybe you could say Matt Rule in uh, Carolina.
0: I think that Rivera is, considering where he went, which is you know Washington, given the fact that you would trust him to build a culture for a team that desperately needs it, that is a good hire. However, when you factor in how much the Chiefs have raved about the you know, being relatable to the players and keeping the players loose and keeping the players together, I would say, hey, I take I take a shot on him. I, I don't get how Bienemy has just been passed over for two shirt off seasons, but yet Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy have just instantly gotten jobs. Whenever it's clear that Eric Bienemy has a ton of input on these Chiefs teams, and it seems like more hands on than any than either of those two guys. I mean, you look at the Rose Bowl play, which has been totally attributed to Eric Bienemy. And again, just how much these players praise the enemy of keeping them together, keeping them, uh, you know, being a player's coach, being somebody that they can rally around. I don't I just don't understand why he's not a head coach. And it shouldn't take compensation for you to realize, hey, maybe instead of Joe Judge, who just happened to be Bill Belichick's special teams assistant to the assistant manager, let's do Eric bien instead.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. The only reason why I was trying to play a little little other uh, side was because I do think McCarthy's qualified. I do think Ron Rivera was fine. Matt Rule, I think I'm actually a little higher on than most. Uh, he, he, he's changed two different uh, organizations in Temple and in um, Baylor. So he has a history of starting a program from the bottom and building up again. NFL is completely different than, the, uh, than college, but that makes some sense. But again, Cleveland, um, you know, Joe Judge in New York. These ones don't make any sense to me. And to be honest, though, in, in, in a little bit of a way, I'm not too upset b enemy didn't go to Cleveland because that is just a, a, co- a coaching turnover. I mean, you don't last in Cleveland. I don't care who you are.
0: Yeah, for me, I, I do agree that Matt is going to do a phenomenal job. Uh, but McCarthy is where that I would push back is just – he, the Super Bowl was a long time ago, and he's proven since then that he just can't get it done in the NFL. And, and I don't really believe that he's going to do all that much different in Dallas than what Jason Garrett did, uh, but he does have the resume that Jason well, Garrett didn't have. Uh, so we'll see how that pans out. I don't know. But, wait,
1: very quickly, sorry. The only reason I'm no, on go the, ahead. the McCarthy train is because he took the entire season off last year watching every single game breaking down, and he said he's going to be extremely analytical right now. If we see Mike McCarthy be extremely analytical, and you know they 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 trust Dak Prescott to throw it more, you know they're they're not running the ball on first down as much. I think we could see a whole new type of offense expand down in Dallas, not Kansas City style because let's be real, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes is just it's almost unfair. But I do think we could see the Dallas offense take a huge step forward if it's true that he's bringing in a ton of analytics down to Dallas.
0: And I do like Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. He had a great start to last season uh, before things fell apart a little bit towards the end. Uh, but we, we've heard the, the, the head coaches taking time off and readjusting everything, and then they get back in there, they do the exact same thing. Tom Thibodeau, a great example in the NBA. Uh, but, you know, that one I can, I can concede, okay? You're Dallas, you're looking to win... This second your window is already closing in Dallas and you have nothing to show for it. You need somebody who is not as much of a risk. Now McCarthy has a has a low ceiling a high floor the probably the other way around on that because he could bust uh, but I, I you won't want to you know, roll the dice as you're saying in Dallas. So I will give you McCarthy and, again, Rivera. He's a proven culture guy, and that's really all Washington needs to worry about right now is getting that culture correct, not even worry about wins for the next you know two to three years. Just get a good foundation going. So those two hires I will agree with. But the fact that Danny wasn't sought after more than he was, and and even in Cleveland— I don't think enemy should have gone to Cleveland, but they sh- But Cleveland should have been beating down the door for Eric Biennemi, and the fact that they weren't is a bit concerning to me, and and I think that that's why the NFL tried to put this compensation in play, which blew up in their faces, bad PR.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is a bad look for the NFL right now.
0: And they ultimately settled on not doing that, no compensation, but teams cannot block their assistants from interviewing anymore. They must interview two minority coaches instead of just one, and they also have to interview a minority candidate for every courting position. Does this change anything for you? Does this? Are, do you think that this helps, hurts, or does nothing with the rule and, and getting more diverse?
1: I, I think it helps a little bit. At, at first, I wanted to say the, the two-to-one, you know, you have to interview two. At first, like, you know, what's the point? You know, you're just going to fly someone in, maybe not give them a real interview. You know, you already have your mind made up, but now you have to same time it's good practice or, or, or good you know work for these you know the guys who are going to be interviewing Eric B said he, he grew a lot throughout the process of the interviews so in that aspect I do think it helps maybe someone who's not as great at uh, interviews can you know grow in this area so I think that could be helpful to some guys and they still have the chance to blow someone away. And not blocking assistance, I think, is pretty big, too. You know, I, I think given the um, the opportunities to actually go out and interview and not being held back, that in and of itself should become a, a bigger help, you know, as far as bringing some diversity to the NFL. To the NFL.
0: I agree that, you know, you've got to give the opportunity to interview because it's just like any job. I mean, it is an NFL head coaching job that is – viewed as as differently than, say, working at, you know, H&R Block. But you need the experience first, and you need, you know, sometimes you need failure. You need to see what it's like to interview, what questions they're going to ask you, what exactly they're looking for. So giving minorities more chances to be interviewed and be put in that situation to where they can learn, hey, you know, you said this, but most of the time we're looking for this, or something like that can really help them uh, get hired. And there's a ton of guys that are qualified. Eric Bietam is just local. To Kansas City, so that's why we're harping on him. Um, I want to ask you about Eric Bieniemy real, real quick though. If somehow, which I don't think is going to happen, if somehow he does not get hired this off season in 2021, what what would you do in his situation? Because the colleges have already been beating down the door for Eric enemy. Would you go down to college and be a head coach? or Would you stay in Kansas City and wait out Andy Reid? Cause I think that Kansas City as an organization does value Eric Bieniemy. I think that they value him, and they would be comfortable. Putting him in that head coaching role with Andy Reid gone, and however many years that it takes for him to retire, what would you do though if you were Biondi?
1: I don't think he should go to college because I I, I think it almost I don't want to say it would reflect poorly as far as, but he just doesn't need to. It, it's almost a disgrace that that no NFL team would hire him. Same time, you can't make NFL owners or or GMs hire a certain guy. You, as much as you think someone's qualified. We're not them. We're not the owner. We're not the GM. You can't force him to to hire a certain guy. I would assume he'd probably wait it out in Kansas City, even though I think Andy Reid still has a, you know, a good amount of years left of outstanding head coaching. I don't know if you find a better opportunity though outside of Kansas City if if you have to wait, you might as well wait in a winning organization, in a winning environment. Might as well get a couple more rings while you're at it.
0: Yeah, I think that that's true, you know, just it's a tough decision and you can't really tell anyone what to do with their career obviously. I think I think that I would also just stay in Kansas City. If I, if I was being me and I didn't get hired for an NFL coaching job, I think I'll just feel comfortable being the top the best assistant, you know, in in the NFL, you know, offensive coordinator I should say in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely the way to go.
0: So moving into more Chiefs, you know, future news is that's me, Cole Hardman. And, you know, there was media sessions to where it was kind of played around with that he might not be the return man this year because of a larger offensive role. Hardman might not be your kick returner, your punt returner. Number one, if you could pick anyone on this team, not Terry Kill, would you you feel comfortable putting Hardman at returner still after what we saw last year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... The NFL and some people as a whole are going to say, you know, McCall Hardman, he was a pro bowler. He had to be an outstanding, you know, kick and punt returner. We, we know here in Kansas City, he he. I don't think he lived up to the expectations, uh, even though he was a quote-unquote pro bowler. I, I do think having more practice would, would probably put him as one of the elite guys in the NFL. But honestly, I'm, I'm fine with them saying, you know what, we're going to give you a larger role on offense. We were all screaming for that last year for him to get more touches. So if that means less special teams, I think he is more valuable being on the offensive side of the ball rather than special teams. Put Byron Pringle back there. um, You know, one of the running backs I'm sure could be fine. You know what I'm saying? There's other guys you can put back there, and and I'm sure Dave Tobe can make about anyone uh, be um, solid in that role.
0: So – I, I don't think that Hartman's going to be back there this year. I really don't. I think that the larger role in offense will see him get phased out. If you had to pick somebody today to be back there, who who would it be? And like you said, does it even matter? Because we just trust Dave Tobe to figure something out.
1: If I had just just off the top of my head right now, I'd probably say Byron Pringle. Uh, I think Byron Pringle's still pretty fast, still pretty elusive. You know, he's definitely not as fast as Tyreek Hill or McCole Hartman, but he's still solid. I guess that would probably be my guy. He's probably going to be your fifth wide receiver. If if I was making rosters right now, he's probably coming in as a fifth guy. And you want some special teams usage from that fifth guy. Maybe Kemp. If Kemp somehow surprises and makes the roster, I could definitely see Marcus Kemp being a return man as well.
0: I think that you you hit the nail on the head whenever you said Brian Pringle. I think that I think that Pringle's gonna be the guy once the dust settles. And then I think that we'll still see Hardman in special situations. If if you need a big kick return, if you need something to happen, then you can throw Pringle back out there a couple. I mean, excuse me, uh, Hardman back out there a couple of times and just to try to make something happen. But ultimately, though, I do think it'll be Byron Pringle as your kind of every kickoff return man.
1: Yeah, it, it, it makes the most sense. We did see uh, McCole Hardman, I think, grow. He started having some larger returns as the season wore on. Some of the big ones stand out extremely late in the season in, in playoffs and everything. But again, I want to see McCole Hardman on offense more. I want to see the ball in his hands. I want to see him lined up with Sammy Watkins and Tyree Hill. So if that means less special teams, I am all for that.
0: So one other note that the NFL produced, you know, or proposed, I should say, was that they would replace onside kicks with 4th and 25s from the 25. But you can only use it two times a game.
1: I think it's 4th and 15. 4th and 15? Yeah, 4th oh, and 15. Gorgeous.
0: Oh my gosh, Then that means that Mahomes will just get it every single time. So if this passes, and you're the Chiefs, how would you use it? Because I think that there is a lot of ways to do it. You can hold the two late in the game in case you need them. Or if you start with the football, what if you just score? Use it the first time, score again, 14-0. Use it the second time, score again, 21-0 to start the game.
1: I mean, honestly, to be, my first initial reaction was, I hate this because when teams are down it's just too good of a chance. Onside kicks should be special. I know it's rare, but I think that's the way it should be. But the more you look at this, it's going to be extremely exciting. No matter what game you're in, you're probably not out of it. I think it's fun. Obviously, it favors Kansas City having Mahomes. It also is a disservice to them, considering they're probably going to be leading in almost every single game. So we'll probably see more of this in Chiefs games. So we'll probably get a very good firsthand experience of how this works or it doesn't work. But, man, that's a tough question. If you save it and you're down, I'll definitely like my chances. But starting off 21-0 sounds pretty good to me.
0: Does anyone have more 4th and 15 plays in their playbook than the Chiefs?
1: (laughs) I could not imagine so. I'm sure the Saints have have a few up their sleeve. But outside of that, I mean... The Chiefs for sure have the advantage. Russell Wilson up in Seattle probably has a uh, a couple plays he, he could run as well. But, man, it, it's almost unfair for Kansas City.
0: And am I crazy to think that you know doing it from the 25 with this offense, now this is not for every team, but that's not a big penalty if you don't get it. Like, sure, the defense is probably going to give up points, but we, we've seen this team come back from double-digit leads almost every single week. So it doesn't feel as big of a penalty to me, and things can change year to year, but if you're the Chiefs and you don't use this twice a game, no matter what the situation is, I think that you've kind of missed the boat.
1: That's a very good point. I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed to be giving up three points. You know, of course, a kicker could shank and he mm-hmm. could miss it. You know, what is that, like a 43-yarder, 42-yarder? That's not guaranteed. But in the NFL, that's probably, what, an 80 to 85% clip the guy's going to make it. So if you're just already sitting out saying we're giving up three points, but the positive is we get the ball back and odds are we're going to score – You know, three or so. there There's got to be some analytics done in this. Let's be real here. I'm sure there's guys on it right now who are looking at the numbers, crunching the numbers, saying, okay, we have a 50% chance if we go for it to get three and a 40% chance of getting seven or a 30% chance of getting seven. You know what I'm saying? so I think it comes down to the numbers. I I, I think we're we're maybe getting too far uh, ahead of ourselves saying we have Mahomes. This is guaranteed. We know as nothing's guaranteed in the NFL.
0: So, with this though, there's so many ways that the Chiefs could pick this up. I mean, it gets me giddy just thinking about it because it just reminds me of Chiefs football. But not only can you get the pass interference calls, obviously, I would assume that there's still pass interference on fourth and fifteen from the twenty-five. So NFL Street,
1: NFL Street, oh. baby. And now no that thousand. would be something special. <laughs>
0: That'd be something special. If they're like, "Oh, okay, just for the sanctity of this onside kick thing, do whatever you want to. No pass interference, that no holding, no
1: holding, no pass interference. Just let him go after it."
0: But I mean, how how do you stop the cheat? They can get 15 yards on any play they want to, pretty much. Especially when C E H. Is that is that the nickname we're going with? Oh no 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 yeah yeah C
1: E H. The fresh prince of Hilaire.
0: Okay, I like that one a lot better. I like that one a lot better. So yeah, you've he, heard it here first. I, you know, this is the official nickname. D- give it to him again.
1: The Fresh Prince of Hell Air.
0: Credit that to the Irrehtic podcast. Every time you use it, credit credit us. That's <laughs> at Home Stretch KC on Twitter. <laughs> but this offense is going to be so fun to watch, and I don't care if we have to watch it all at home or if we can go to Arrowhead. This is going to be an awesome season.
1: No, it's, if there is a season, if, if it's, again, come on now, Rylan. you got to be at least a little bit more realistic. You're not getting every single 4th and 15. As much as I think the Chiefs have the best chance of getting these 4th and 15s, which I do, you're not going to get it at a 100% clip.
0: Oh, absolutely not. But, again, for the Chiefs, if you don't get it, I feel very confident that your next possession is, you can make up the three points, or even even the seven points.
1: No, it's true. I, they have the best chance of even if not getting it, even if they give up three or seven, you can probably make it
0: up. So, it's fun. and I mean, you also it, look at that defense, which is never going to be the the thing that gets the most attention. But do you think that at least a couple times a year, if they fail doing this, that Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Passanio can get a sack, you know, strip sack, or Honey Badger can get a pick, or Juan Thornhill can get a pick. I mean, a couple of times a year that's bound to happen to where you, you get it right back. No harm, no foul.
1: Again, it comes down to running the numbers. I'm sure there's going to be someone that has a, um, you know, a, a uh, equation that can put all of the percentages in they crunch it. And then they can tell Andy Reid to uh, go for it or not to go for it. Cause I'm sure that's, that's going to be what's, what it comes down to is who finds the equation first and how do they make this equation work in their favor?
0: I think that my money's on Briscoe to be the first one on Chiefs Twitter to have the the algorithm for this.
1: <laughs> oh man, him yeah. and his
0: analytics army.
1: Well, dude, I'm, Kaiser's I'm there. a good one. I, I got switched, man. I, I used to be straight, you know, kind of. Oh eye no, test. I'm fully on
0: board with Team Briscoe. I'm, I'm just saying he'd be the one that actually put in the work to do it.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, we just sit all, here
0: and say, yeah, you know, pretty good chance they get it. Pretty good chance they get
1: it. Whatever that Sam Wichita guy is. He's great, too. He finds oh, a lot of great, stuff. Oh, he's great, yeah. He, he finds a lot of stuff as well as uh, Arrowhead Analytics, I think. I, I don't know. There, there's a few out there that uh, that, that get me going because I'm a big analytics guy.
0: Yeah, I, I love them. And, again, I, I would never – do the, the effort, put the effort into it that they do, but I enjoy consuming their content. Briscoe, uh, the Sam Wichita guy, that uh, yeah, Sam Hayes is his actual name at Wichita Chiefs Sam, or Wichita Chief Sam, I should say. Uh, he works over at SI Chiefs and at Pro Football Focus. He's really good. He had a great article yesterday about football, you know, analytics in football. I love it. I, I am fully on team don't draft the running back, don't establish the run game. Everything that that Briscoe and them preach, I'm fully on board with. I'm just saying that they would be the guys that actually do come up with the smart and sophisticated algorithm, while we just sit here and say, you know, this offense is pretty good, and they're probably going to get it.
1: Dude, you give me about 12 bush lights, give me a pencil and a piece of paper, and I'll try to do math. Like, give me a calculator, and I'll try to do some math, you know. You know, I had to take calculus twice in college, and I had to eventually go take it at a community college because I was so bad at math. But but give me a shot. You give me some bush lights. I think I could figure it out.
0: I'm gonna be honest with you. Then you're gonna have to carry all the math on this show because I'm, I'm terrible at math. I'm, I'm awful.
1: Dude, I just told you I had to take it twice. Don't trust I, me. But that's that's
0: better than me. So you you go ahead and you go ahead and, and handle that. I didn't even touch calculus. And I'm college, thinking like Goodwill
1: like Goodwill hunting style. You know, I'm thinking like <laughs> s- someone has a, on, on a, on a chalkboard and have to go up and, and solve it. Like, that's what I'm thinking of when it comes to these analytics e- equations.
0: So we've been doing the breakout player series on this show since last week. So it's, it's a recurring bit and obviously has a ton of history. Cause it only started last week, but let's move the defensive back. Now, who would be your breakout defensive back guy?
1: So this one's tough for me. Last year, I said it was going to be Traverius Ward. Overall, my my breakout player was Traverius Ward. I go, guys, Ward is going to be a stud. I was screaming it on my radio uh, show nonstop. It happened. It hit. To be honest, if I could pick Traverius Ward again, as far as him turning into a legitimate lockdown number one, I would choose Traverius Ward again, but I feel like it's a little bit unfair this one's tough because the Chiefs have a lot of projects. The Chiefs don't have a lot of guys who coming into the NFL have have a lot of a lot of hype. You could probably say Boat mm-hmm. Peat Keys may be the one with the most hype right now. And if you're saying Boat Peat Keys is the one with the most hype, you know that these aren't you know Akuda. This isn't C.J. Henderson. Maybe I would say Rashad Fenton in the slot. I may go with Rashad. I, I don't think he's fast enough to play on the outside. I just don't. But he is physical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He, he, he's he been able to slow down tight ends and been pretty productive in that role as a rookie. He grew more than I thought. So I guess if I had to say right now, I would go with Rashad Fenton, but in the slot. I'm not going to go and take him on the outside. What about you?
0: See, that that's my exact answer. I am I am all in on Rashad Fenton I am all in I'm pushing every chip I have in the middle of the table because I think that he can be a very reliable cornerback in this system while also being very cheap which helps the Chiefs tremendously I loved what he did his rookie season I cannot wait to watch him again with the Chiefs I I think that he has to be the pick here if you're going to go cornerback because of just what we saw the physicality he's not afraid to hit you and disrupt the pass I think that he, I think that you're right. He doesn't have the speed necessarily on the outside. Uh, but, you know, you always could use a slot guy, and, and he's going to be a guy that gives a ton of effort, a guy that breaks up passes and, and will actually go hit somebody in the second level. I love Fenton. I'm ready to go all in with Fenton, uh, not to the extent of being a shutdown cornerback, uh, but being a very good, you know, guy in your defensive back room, you know, the same way that, you know, that, that guy that hangs around, a guy that's on the roster for a long time. I, I love Fenton's game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think Javarius Ward's going to be a lockdown bona fide number one. I said this last year, and I'll, I'll keep beating the key. Like, I don't care. Would that about be the- another
0: breakout, though, for, for, for Ward, if he comes in this season and is somebody that's getting national attention for being a shutdown guy? Wouldn't that be another jump for him?
1: If that counts, if he can be breakout two years in a row, then I'm taking Traverius Breakout Ward. 2. because, 0. Because, uh, d- dude, it, he's unbelievable. The fact of the matter is, he stays with his man. I don't care if he gets interceptions. I know that he's not Marcus Peters, but guess what? He does not get beat like Marcus Peters. He is physical, <laughs> unlike Marcus Peters. I love Marcus Peters. He's fine. Honestly, if Peters and Traverius Ward were on this team, talk about an outstanding duo. But Traverius Ward gets the job done. And I just like the fact that he does not let his man beat him, and I like the fact that he—he's very outspoken about wanting to be the guy. He's very outspoken about saying, "I want to be great. I want to be a lockdown player, and I'm going to make it happen." And I think that speaks volumes about him. So I just—I'm all in on the Traverius Ward train right now.
0: It's interesting that you bring up Marcus Peters. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I've always looked at those two as. You know, Peters is boomer bust. He can make the huge highlight plays, but like you said, he's he's gonna get beat. And I look at Ward that I trust him more to just do his job. Do his job, break up the pass, play play great football, and that'll be the end of it. You won't get the incredible highlight plays, you also won't get the personality, but you're gonna get a guy that does his job and defends number one targets in the NFL. Whereas with Peters, you do get the more boomer bust that is more sexy on Twitter and the highlight reels. Than a guy like Trevorius Ward.
1: Well, that's why I think they would have made a very good pair. You have one guy's locked down to one guy's boomer uh, boomer bust. I think that makes a very very good pair, a uh, good duo right there. Maybe the Chiefs, you know, are trying to draft a boomer bust guy. I've been hearing a lot about Bo Peat Keys. I'll have to do some more research uh, research on him, but I've been hearing tons of positives about Bo Peat Keys.
0: Now where do you stand on Armani on Armani Watts?
1: Yeah, I, don't, I I'm going
0: to tell you right now that I was all in on the on the Watts hype train. I just there's something about him that you just watch him and you think that, you know, he can be a player here and he just hasn't gotten to show, you know, show it yet. I don't think that he gets cut by any means, but I do think that this is his last year to kind of make something happen.
1: Yeah, to be honest, I don't really have a strong opinion on Armani Watts, and I feel like I'm in the the minority here. I feel like he's almost in the uh, Dorian O'Daniel uh, category (laughs) of either people absolutely think he's going to be a stud, or they think he's a complete bust. There's no in-between. I think I'm rare, and I think that Armani Watts, I'm like, I don't know. I don't see him being some elite guy. I don't really see him being a starter. You know, I think he's a special teamer, uh, a backup, which is fine. You need those guys, but I just don't, I guess, see all of the hype completely.
0: So did you ever, did you ever fall for Watts at all?
1: No, not not really. And again, maybe I feel like I'm one of the, in the minority here. Like I've Mm -hmm. fallen for, for other guys and completely been wrong on, but for some reason, Armani Watts just really wasn't them.
0: Yeah, so I I did think that he could be a starter. Now I am more reserved, and I think that he can be a guy that just hangs around. Like he's on the roster more than you think he should be. He fills he fills the backup role well. Good special teamer. Ultimately, though, he doesn't really make any noise, any waves. Any you know he's not a, he's just a blip on the radar for the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, uh, which
0: is I'll still you- good in the NFL. I mean, there's only so many NFL jobs, and to hang around the NFL for any amount of years is awesome. But I, I think that everyone's kind of off that, well, he could be a starter type thing, and we're just hoping, eh, good good number two safety.
1: To be honest with you, the one I missed on by far was Anthony Hitchens. I, I always thought Anthony Hitchens was going to be, once they went back to the 4-3, I go, Anthony Hitchens is going to be a stud. He may lead the league in tackles. Uh, I was all in on the Anthony Hitchens once the Chiefs switched back to a 4-3. I still think he's valuable because he is the you know, defensive play caller and all of that, but I think his best years are behind him. So there's one I missed on.
0: I I really missed on Darren Lee also. I I thought Darren Lee, I thought he was going to come to Kansas City, a change of scenery, and he'd be amazing. I I thought he'd be a starter.
1: So with Darren Lee, the the stuff that I was hearing was he was told to gain some weight so he could work on stopping the run a little better and when he did that he couldn't do his best aspect which was you know coverage so he became basically bad at both and <laughs> at that point you know he's done so maybe it's not fair to Darren Lee maybe he didn't get a fair shake but at that point you know if you if you're not good in either aspect of stopping the run or in coverage you're not going to last long
0: yeah, I, I just I just fell fell for him. I, I thought he was going to be a starting line packer last year, and then obviously did not pan out at all. But you know that, that's kind of the beauty of just you know doing this writing, podcasting is just it's almost more fun to be wrong on guys. You almost remember them more than the guys that you absolutely just hit right on the head. And people like to hear you talk about the ones you got wrong more. No one likes someone to just tell them, "Hey, I got all of this right. I'm so smart." Yeah, uh, valid point. I was I was also totally wrong on Josh Jackson, which is another discussion for another day. Uh, but <laughs> as a more fun topic than to the show, Chris Jones and Colin Sanders made some noise on Twitter within the Chiefs organization. Whenever they said that they're the best two on two duo on the roster. Number one, do you agree with that? Number two, if you don't, who are you pick, Who are you picking to stop those two guys?
1: Oh, I honestly have zero idea on who the best two is. I think only the Chiefs players know. I would be surprised if it was those two just because, you know, offense alignment, yes, they're huge. You know, Saunders himself is 324 pounds, but he's only six foot. He, he can back you down. He can use that dump truck to, to post up, but he, he's not that tall. I would probably – you would you'd think someone like Travis Kelsey – you know, maybe Eric Fisher. You know, obviously you've got to go with uh, Patrick Mahomes, but I don't know. I, I was slightly surprised. TK is six seven two eighty nine. You would think TK, and he went to Nova, so you would think TK would be able to uh, have some game.
0: That's true. I, I would go Mahomes because of just watching all of those videos. I mean, he... He looks like a basketball player out there. I mean, it's so unfair that he can do whatever he wants to do. I think he could make it in the MLB. I, I don't know if he'd make it as a star in the NBA, but, I mean, he has game, obviously, from from what you see on the empty gym highlights, which is enough for Carmelo Anthony, so it's enough for Patrick Mahomes.
1: <laughs> Hoodie mellow.
0: But and the Chiefs made him stop playing basketball, which is, a, which is a crime against humanity, but I also wouldn't want him to turn an ankle while he's shooting some hoops. But uh, I, I, would, I would say... Mahomes. See, Tyreek Hill is a, is good from the videos, but going up against Chris Jones and Sanders, he's going to get bodied out there. And he's going to be like Shaq going up against Muggsy Bogues. I don't want that. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, maybe? Does, does, does he bring something to the table? I don't know. That's what I was saying, TK. We got TK went to Nova, and he's 6'7".
1: TK has got to have game, right? Maybe not. You know? Maybe that's why he's a DN, because he's got no hands. But who knows?
0: Who was that? Do you think that Jay Wright ever recruited him to join the team the same way that Bill Self got that Kansas tight end? Uh, James something. God, he was like a walk-on for Kansas that year. He played tight end or something for the Jayhawks. I can't remember his name now. There's someone screaming his name that that has this encyclopedia knowledge of of Jayhawk walk-ons out there right now. But Uh, I think his first name was James.
1: I'll I'll tell you who I remember, though, is uh, Christian Moody. I, I remember him.
0: There's a, there's a lot of fun fun discussions to have about local college basketball.
1: Sorry, I'm a Mizzou guy. I got to throw in the Christian Moody.
0: <laughs> but, you know, I think that that wraps up this edition of the Airhead Act Podcast. Do you have anything else to, to uh, plug or anything you want to talk about before we get out of here?
1: No, I mean, it's, everyone stay safe, wear your masks, have fun. Looks like things are starting to get back to normal, at least a little bit of, of normal. Hopefully sports come back soon, and uh, let's have some fun.
0: That's Sterling Holmes. You can follow him on Twitter at HomestretchKC. I'm Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. Be good, and be good to one another. And we'll see you next week right here on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast.